All right, the kids are gone. You can take a little. You did a little sigh of. It's like that video. I don't know if that video was helpful or not. It's like so much stress. Well, I pray this morning that this is just a relaxing time because I know things are going to be a little busier uh, for today uh, for most of you. And so just pray that we just be in God's word and lift him up and uh, hear what God has to, t- to say to all of us uh, this morning. You probably heard her talking about expense, like things are expensive, right? Like all inflation, you probably noticed inflation that's going on in our country and um, lots of other things, of course, that distract us and maybe make us afraid or whatever it may be. Well, my goal with inflation is to stay ahead of the curve of gas station beef jerky. I want to be... Well off enough that I can go in there and grab a thing of, you know how expensive gas station beef jerky is? That's, that's the life goal is that. It's okay you get a thing of gas station beef jerky. I've heard inflation is so high that they saw Elon Musk eating some ramen noodles the other day. That's pretty high. The musician 50 Cent changed his name to 75 cents. But I, as you know, you pick up on what she's saying, and I hear other people talking about inflation and all these other things, and the, the strain on families and, and other things uh, within our community. And you may see that as something really negative, but I see it as an opportunity to be the church that loves one another as people go through life and the struggles, and, and that all that we saw right here on the video. Um, that's an opportunity uh, for True Life Community Church to, to love others in our community and love others in our, our church. Because I honestly believe that coming out of COVID that people are looking for real, authentic, loving community. And that's what really the church is and, and should be to others. And so True Life Community Church, we have such a great opportunity to love others. And when I talk about love, a lot of times we, we think of God's love and, and our salvation, like Jesus on the cross, and God loves us so much that he sent his only begotten son and that, so that we could have eternal life. And, and that is at the top of the list of, of love and, and God's love for us. But, you know, there's a second act to God's love that God calls us out onto his stage, the world, it says, Act 2. And then I'm going to use you as a, a fellow believer, a follower of Christ, in this second act, to show love to those around you, your neighbors. To show them the love of Christ, that Christ showed for you, and therefore you have an obligation now to show love to others around you. And we have been going through, and this is the last part of this series, if you've been following along with us, uh, we started off on Easter in Romans chapter 10. In Romans chapter 10, we saw that the end of the law, the the purpose of the law, uh, was that so that you would come, that we would all come to Christ, that we would come to know and put our faith and trust in Jesus, that we cannot fulfill the law, that, that we are sinful, 
and that God puts that in front of us. One, it's clearly a way we should strive to live, and our government should, 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 should adhere to as well. The ultimate goal is that it would show you that you can't live up to God's standard and that you need Jesus. The other part of that that we saw in Romans 13 was that the fulfillment of the law was that you would love God and then that you would, the fulfillment that you would love others. Last Sunday we saw in chapter 14 to not quarrel with the weaker in faith. To not put a stumbling block in those that have a weaker faith than you do, but to encourage them and to lift them up. And so today we're looking at the last part of this. In Romans chapter 15, we're going to be in verses 1 through 7. And at the top of this paragraph, it says the example of Christ. So we just went through, don't judge, lift up those that are weaker in faith, don't put a stumbling block in front of them. And now in the next chapter, it says the example of Christ. And so I've broken this down into three things on how we can love the weaker in faith like Christ. And so the number one thing is serve those weak in faith. To serve those who are weaker in faith than you. A lot of times moms you'll say about Children, you'll say, it's not my responsibility to something. It's not my responsibility to make you happy. It's not my responsibility to help you find something to play with. It's not my responsibility to whatever it may be with your children. Some things are not our responsibility, even as parents, to say, it's not my responsibility to make you happy. That's your responsibility. It's not my responsibility. But I'm going to read verse 1 through 2, where the Bible tells us that we do have a responsibility or an obligation. Verse 1 to 2. We who are strong have an obligation, means responsibility, an obligation, to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his or her good to build him up. So those that are, weak, that are stronger in faith have a responsibility to those that are weaker in faith. Last Sunday we talked about the seed, the mustard seed that was planted, and out of that grows the kingdom of God, and start off with a seedling, and then you grow into a mighty oak tree as you become stronger in your faith. Those that are weaker in faith probably are defined as hesitant, maybe a little bit doubtful, Remember the guy that talked to Jesus? He said, I, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. The weaker in faith are probably lean more into legalism and to fear. And those that are strong in faith, for me, it's I say, my faith and trust in Jesus makes me good 
with God, and I want you to know the same. The strong in faith realize the freedom that they have in Christ. The freedom that it's not a works-based salvation. It's a, a faith alone in Christ alone. The freedom that we have in Christ. Those that are strong in faith have a commitment or an obligation to those that are weaker in faith. And I say this is a serious commandment of God. Right? Jesus summarized the whole entire, all of the law up into two things. He said, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. This is a commandment. He tells us as followers to teach them to obey or to follow all that I have taught you. Have you ever picked the wrong lane? At a stoplight, the grocery store. Like the worst for me is the grocery store. I don't know about you. But you're like evaluating all the lines. I hate to go through self-checkout. It's the worst. It's the worst. You never know what's going to go down in the self-checkout section. But you evaluate all the lines and you try to maybe pick the youngest person. They're going to be the fastest. And you pick the lane and something happens. Like there's people behind you. The light comes on. There's some issue going on. Got to call the manager. There's not a manager in sight. That's the worst. That's the worst for me. I get so so impatient. But as, as Christians, we have to pick which lane we're going in every day. And it's so important to, to pick the lane of loving our neighbor and, and or loving those that are weaker in faith than us and, and loving anyone that's around us. I think Jesus gives the example of our neighbor on the road to Damascus, the Good Samaritan, people that hated each other, cared for one another, the Good Samaritan. But it's so important that we choose the lane of loving others around us because we could tip the scale on whether someone's heart is softened for God or it's hardened for God. Again, God gives us that responsibility. It's our obligation. And if we live like the world, we condemn, judge, and and divide, it could harden the hearts. But if we live like Jesus... We love that so that some may come to know the Christ. How someone's heart responds is not up to you, but how you love is up to you. Anyone ever have a pity party? You know what I mean by pity party? We used to do this children's production in our old church. We had this song called the Pity Party Dance. I remember that. It's really clearly in my head. The pity party dance. Everybody do the pity party dance. But you feel bad about yourself. Everyone's against you. The world's coming to an end. Nobody likes me. Nobody supports me. And I have this pity party, right? They're just saying, like, pity party, table of one, pity party, table of one. The pity party dance. But I promise you, you find yourself one day having a pity party. 
And you say, I'm going to go find somebody. I saw something on Facebook. Somebody's having a hard time. I'm going to make them a cake. I'm going to go mow their yard. I'm going to do something to lift them up, to encourage them that are weaker than me at this moment. I promise you, you're going to feel a lot better about yourself at the end of that than you would if you just wallow in your pity party. So go serve someone weaker than you, and you will begin to feel so much better. I promise. Number two, we're going to see this in verse 3 through 4, is to endure reproach. Endure reproach. Verse 3 through 4. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproach you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. You may be wondering, what is this word reproach that he's talking about? And reproach is really like insults from your enemy. Somebody saying something bad about you. They're insulting you. They, they want you to feel shame about yourself. Reproach. This comes from Psalm 69, and King David wrote this psalm. Some say it's a prophecy of Jesus, but King David was going through a lot of reproach, and he was calling out to God. He said he had as many enemies as the hairs on his head. Like people were after him, they were insulting him, they were coming after him, and he was crying out to God about those enemies that reproached him. And the reason that they reproached King David was because of his love that he had for God. And the prophecy in that verse about Jesus saying that the reproach of you came on me. That Jesus, because of his love for his Father was reproached to the point on the cross there's not many people left, including his own brothers, including his friends. They ripped out his beard. They spat on him. They reproached him. Jesus says, what was taught in the past is good for you now. That those that reproach you, and there will be, because of your love for Jesus, there will be some that reproach you. Not to that level of Christ. But that will happen in its own way. But because of the love of God, we can see, the Bible says, but that reproach, Jesus says, I took it on myself on the cross. So if Jesus can love those who reproach you, those that reproached him, he says, forgive them as he's on the cross. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And he says, I'll even take the reproach of those that's upon you because of your love for Jesus. If God can love that way, and he took on the reproach of those who reproach you, 
and he loved his enemies, that he asked the Father to forgive them, can't we do the same? Shouldn't we do the same? Jesus took on the reproach of all of our enemies. Number three, to have endurance, which means patience, right? To run a race, you have to have endurance, which we also have to have patience. To have endurance or patience with others and to pray, and to pray. Patience, moms, you probably say, hey, you're getting on my last nerve. Anyone use that one? Last nerve? I've used that one before. I don't have time for this, right? Like, hurry up. Like, what's the hold up? My patience is running thin. Here in verse 5 through 6, we're going to read about God's endurance and his patience. Verse 5. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here it is again. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you, grant you to live together. Romans 2, 4 says this. Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? God has patience, endurance, and kindness for all of us so that we would repent, that we would turn from our ways and we would turn to God. And we return to Jesus. Shouldn't we then do the same for others? And you may say, well, Pastor, you're not, you're not preaching the whole Bible. You're not teaching systematic theology of God, that, that God is patient. He is love. He is kind, but there's also a God of judgment and of wrath. Why don't you talk about that part too? And I'll admit, as I read the Bible, in the Old Testament, the New Testament, that God is patient. The vast majority of God's time is patience and love and kindness and endurance and steadfastness to you to all of us, to the world, so that we would come to repentance and to put our faith in Jesus. But there does come a time where God's patience runs out. That'll be the third act of this world when Christ comes back and rules. And there is a time when God's patience and kindness and love runs out for all of us. Those that seek the darkness versus the light. Those that suppress the truth of God. But the majority of time, God says, I love you. And I pursue you. I have patience with you. Because I want you to know the love that I have for you. God judges perfectly 
and righteously at the perfect time. We are not the perfect judge. God is the perfect judge. Some of us want to be the judge, the jury, to say, we're in here and they're out there. We're right and they're wrong. We're better than them. Something's different about us. We got it right. They got it wrong. When all along, we are here, we know the love of Christ. God has sanctified us to become a little seedling to a tree, to a mighty oak tree, simply because of God's grace and His mercy. That's it. That's all. I give this analogy about God's grace his mercy and His grace as we imagine you walk outside and somebody's breaking into your car. And you say, that's okay. I'll let you off. I'll forgive you. That's God's mercy for you as a sinner who has committed a crime against God, a holy God. But God doesn't stop there. He gives us His grace, grace upon grace. And that is, as that person's walking away from breaking into your car, you say, well, here's $100. Go buy yourself lunch. You see, God gave us mercy because of Jesus, and He gives us grace upon grace, more than we ever deserve. And it's a free gift. There's nothing that we did to earn it. Other than our faith in Jesus. And I know true life, we are not like that. And I'm glad that we are not like that. And we have to be guarded against that. Because the only way, as I said, the only reason that we can boldly stand in front of the righteous judge is because of the work of Jesus. God's mercy and His grace. And I won't lie... I can't love like that all the time. And neither can you. That's why here we see in verse 5 through 6 that this is a prayer that Paul wrote in the Bible. It says, may the God, may the God of endurance. That's a prayer. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accordance with Jesus Christ that together you may with one voice glorify the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a prayer. A prayer is faith. To say, God, I'm going to pray this and I'm going to believe that you can do this within us. So I would like for us right now uh, to pray this prayer together. To have faith that God could work in us to perfectly do this, to love others, and to be one voice. Let's pray this. God, we pray that you as the God of endurance, and you are the God of encouragement, that you would grant us to live in such harmony with one another in complete accordance with Jesus Christ, that together we may with one voice glorify you, God our Father, who is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. When I went to uh, a lot of high school basketball games with Kelsey, 
um, this is a cheerleader, they would have the student section. And the student section, they always get a little rowdy, right? And when the opposing team would do something that you're not supposed to, right, double dribble or miss the, miss the you know, do an air ball when they shoot, the student section would say, you can't do that, over and over really loud to really get to the opponent's. That's something that you and I, true life, can't, we can't do. You can't do that. You can't love like Jesus loves. The only way that you can do that is to stay connected to God and the power and the work within you. That God does that within you. He says, you abide in me and I in you. You will produce fruit. And one of the fruits is love. Verse 7, therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you, as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. You see, God had some major hurdles to overcome. In order for him to be able to love you, he had some major hurdles to overcome that he had to Send his only begotten son who had perfect relationship, perfect love between them in heaven. He had to send him out of heaven to step into this earth to be a, a servant, to be reproached above all reproach on earth, to, to die and to suffer, to hang on the cross that your sin and my sin held, held Jesus on the cross. That Jesus, he pray, is there any other way in the garden? Is there any other way, any other way to atone for their sins? And there was no other way. It took a perfect sacrifice. Jesus, who had perfect love with his heavenly Father for eternity, cries out, Father, why have you forsaken me? As he took on your sin, as your sin held him on the cross, as he took on your sin of those who reproach you, of those who reproach Jesus, who reproach David potentially if they put their faith in the coming Messiah. That Jesus took on the weight and the sin of the world. Those are the hurdles that God had to overcome to love you. The insults, the abandonments, the forsaking of his father, all because of his love for you. The Bible says in John chapter 3 that those that look upon the cross, that look upon Jesus on the cross will be saved. Those that humble themselves, those that look at the law and say, I can't live up to that standard. Those that say, I can't love to that standard, I can't do that. There's something wrong with the relationship that I have with my Father. I feel the, the guilt and I feel the shame and I don't know what to do with that. The Bible says that God loved you so much that He would send His only Son. That whoever looked upon the cross and saw Jesus and put your faith in what He did and what God did, 
you confess that Jesus is Lord, that you're ready to follow him the rest of your life, you believe that God raised him from the grave three days later, the Bible says you are saved. You are saved. If you've yet to do that, I would love to talk to you after church. Love to have that conversation. So the application for today is I want to ask this question. How do you love mothers on Mother's Day? And we're talking a lot about loving God and loving others. Sometimes you're like, I don't even know how to do that. I'm not exactly sure what that looks like. Well, ask the question, well, how would you love a mother on Mother's Day? And it may be from a parent, someone that you have seen that influenced you in your life on how they love somebody else. You have like a basis of understanding of what loving someone even is. Love language is nice, right? If the love language is words of affirmation, they may not want a gift. I don't know. But love language is nice as well to know how to love someone. The basis for how to love God and to others is we have to understand the good news of the gospel. We have to understand how much God loved us to send His only Son to die such a horrific death, to be nailed to a cross for you and for me. We have to look at Jesus' example on earth, how He loved others. He counted Himself not higher than anyone else. He had nowhere to lay His head. He died for His friends, even though they abandoned Him. He loved us, yet we were sinners. Yet we reproached Him. That is how we love God and how we love others. So church, we need to love others. And I would say the easiest example that I could give to you today, and it's not just because I'm the pastor here, but I saw the other day at F3 Men's Workout, there was a guy that, showed up, that came and his shirt said, just keep showing up, just keep showing up. He said that over and over again. And I promise you from experience, if you just keep showing up, learning about God and putting God first, maybe join Life Group, learn more about God, and you put others ahead of yourself, you do those two things, you may not get the church that you want or the growth that you want or the assignment that you want, but you'll get what you need. You'll get the church that you need. And you'll see the kingdom impact that will impact people for eternity. Let us pray. God, we thank you that you are a God of, of love, that you have endurance and patience and kindness for us, that, Lord, that you loved us so much that you brought us into this world, 
that you gave us mothers who love us, that you didn't just wipe us off the face of the earth because of our sin, that you loved us so much that you said, I'm going to provide you one way to have eternal life with me. And I'm going to show you how much I love you by sending my son, Jesus, to die for you. And because of that love, I'm going to ask you to be a part of what I have going on, and I'm going to ask you to love others so that they can see the light of Christ, so that they have the hope that you have. And Lord, you don't stop there. You say, I know you can't love that way. But pray to me. Ask me. Have faith that I can do that within you. I can do that within True Life Community Church. Believe with your heart that I can do that. Have faith in me. Let me use you in your weakness. I can do that in you. Lord, I pray you produce fruit in true life and in all of us. Endurance, patience, kindness, and love for others who are weaker than we are. Lord, thank you for your love. Thank you for your love that you've given to our mothers, such a special love that they have. Thank you for today and all God's people said, amen.